Kowalczyk. Kowalczyk. It's May 21st, 1994, and selling the drama by live is number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart. Hello again, and welcome to Tell Me All Your Thoughts on Pod. I am Quillen. I'm Trav. I'm Alec. And this is a podcast where we talk about every song that reached number one on the Billboard Modern Rock chart in the 90s, beginning with Kurt Cobain's death in April 1994. Today we'll be talking about Selling the Drama, the lead single from Live's second album, Throwing Copper. Uh, so Selling the Drama is one of two number one singles from Throwing Copper. And uh, it spent three weeks at number one. Right or wrong, and to me, or strong, it is known to scream from the wall. I will, I want, I will, I talk, I know, I know, I feel it before. All right, so we're properly in real Nirvana wannabe territory here. I'm curious to hear what your feelings are about live in general as a band. I, I, you know, as a kid, I think I really liked their singles um, on this album, at least. Uh, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I really loved Lakini's Juice from Secret mm-hmm. Samadhi as well. Uh, we'll get to there. This day. No spoilers. Jam. Uh oh shit. I was wondering. Uh yeah, I, I dug them as a as a child. Yeah, I think so. Uh Throwing Capper came out when I was in sixth grade, going into seventh grade. Uh I guess it was, you know, if it was uh May, then that was yeah, leading into the summer when I was hearing the singles and things like that. And it was perfect for that time in my life. As I got older, I thought Eh, this isn't so much it. And also, yeah. what's with the name live? That was so confusing <laughs> to me when it first happened. So hard to Google. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was just a, a lot to, to wrap my head around. So, um, did, did you yeah, ever but think I mean, early on at the time, live? great. And I think, I, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was very confusing. Live, live, what is this? Um, but yeah, it's kind of it's kind of been a roller coaster with live since then. It's been a roller coaster for me too. There were probably 3 maybe 4 years of my life when live was my favorite band. And that's Wow. Most of middle school and at least a decent chunk of ninth grade. And we'll talk about this, but my feelings about this band are so complicated. <laughs> this strikes me as like a little bit Nirvana-y and a little bit R.E.M.-y. Yes, definitely. Both. Am I correct to hear an R.E.M. thing going on here? Yeah, I think absolutely. Yeah. The the chorus is so R.E.M. to me. So 90s R.E.M. specifically, for sure. Yeah, and just the open chord thing, the whole, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're playing basically like R.E.M. stuff, and it's great benefits from it i think yeah um Um, the the peak for me i'm just gonna jump into it the mm -hmm. the the part 
um that sort of pre-chorus where he does the whole like i've willed i've walked part and that guitar lead that like climbs like all the way through like i don't know how many measures it is but it keeps going up and up and up and up and up. it's like building and then it like comes out into the chorus that part is amazing yeah that's great uh for me it's just the uh i mean i also like that part but um the chorus is just so f***ing good um I don't know what to say about it. Great melody, great chord progression. Uh, it's just ripping and raring right there. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great 90s alt-rock uh, chorus. Do you like the intro, Bendy? Uh, it's fine. Yeah, the, 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 that intro lick is a little basic yeah. to me. Mm. So uh, the famous Village Voice critic, Robert, is, is it pronounced Christgau or Christgau? I've always said Christgau, but I've never heard it pronounced uh, officially. Okay. The, the way that he described this in his review of Throwing Copper, he said, On stage, this intently mediocre young band is U2 without a guitar sound. <laughs> On record, it's R.E.M. without songs. Ooh. Savage. Yeah. Obviously, a lot of religious imagery in this song. I think that we were all, to some degree, maybe various degrees, spiritual kids, mm-hmm. did lives, spirituality hit home with you? Uh, as someone who uh, doesn't ever pay attention to lyrics, honestly, I had no idea. I did not know that they were a spiritual band yeah. back then. Um, I, I think later on, like uh, Secret Samadhi, uh, maybe I... Th- I saw it a little bit more um but like a maybe a darker spin on it but um yeah i I had no idea so yeah no it's the same for me i um i i didn't think lyrics were like a prominent thing for me as a kid but um i i felt like i knew Mm -hmm. what songs were about but also i think just in general with all of these songs like there was a, a whole like i don't know prevalent sort of thought that like all of it was nonsense. Um, mm-hmm. Even though there was like a, you know, a specific kind of poetry that sort of like worked for grunge music and alternative music. But, um, you know, I think it was always kind of like dismissed as like, oh, you know, they're just making stuff up and throwing it in there and it doesn't mean anything. And so I kind of took this as that. Um, and I was surprised to find out at an older age that, that it was kind of a spiritual thing. Uh, but it did not affect uh, my feelings about life. See, you, you heard a lot of this as nonsense. When I was a kid, I guess I must have been paying attention to lyrics. But when I heard lyrics that I didn't understand, my assumption was that it was because they were super sophisticated. And so if I was listening to a band like this and Ed Kowalczyk was just saying random garbage, I thought it was so profound and I just kind of like took his word for it that it was profound. And it's almost like I worshiped them all the more because I didn't understand what they were saying. But I was like, I mean, I was raised as a Christian kid and I went to Sunday school and church. And then when I was 13 or whatever, I got confirmed. And then my mom kind of said, okay, well, it's your choice, basically, what you want to do with this now. Live. And a couple of other bands that I listened to, 
they got inextricably like caught up in my religious beliefs. So like I would interpret these little fragments of lyrics as like these revelations or these things that I should live by or these things that had really profound effects on my emotions. And one of the reasons why it's hard for me to go back and like sort of objectively look at this stuff is because I think to some degree I was a little bit lost and I think that I was in retrospect, I know that I was having some depression symptoms when I was like a preteen, early teenager. And instead of talking about those things or thinking about those things in mental health terms, I thought about them in like religious terms. And I don't think that that was a positive Mm. thing for me. So live has, at least on their first three or four albums, they have like all these lyrics about like inner peace and inner war like particularly on the album that came out before this, because I was so into this band, guys. I I went back and I like bought Mental Jewelry, oh, their first I was album, what it was called. which is like a combination of slap bass and acoustic guitar <laughs> with just like uh, stream of consciousness lyrics about religion and uh. Buddha and politics, and and I fell for all of it. I was just one hundred percent in on all of this stuff. So it's tricky. It's tricky for me. And I mean, so there's definitely like religious imagery. He's talking about crosses and stuff like that. Do you guys form any insights about what he might be singing about? Um, no. no. It's, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's nonsense. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's not nonsense. It's probably somebody who's very like sincere about whatever kind of like religious experience he was having at the time i think there's some like eastern philosophy that's like tied in with it too um yeah and always. it's just like <laughs> I, I don't care about that like i <laughs> that's probably a stupid thing to say but um I, I i don't know like it just i guess that was his thing uh and it's cool that he found an outlet for it and um mm-hmm. it did seem to fit it wasn't too much of an outlier where it like didn't didn't blend well with the music it it worked um but it didn't it didn't convert me i wasn't witness to the way i think he was trying to uh you know to touch souls do you want to hear what i read on (laughs) songmeanings.com some people are taking this stuff extremely seriously and i peeked ahead at the lakini's juice one and oh my (laughs) lord You're going to learn so much about Eastern religion on that episode. So Tarantual on songmeanings.com has a theory that, I mean, I don't know if it's right, but it seems like pretty theory. It's pretty, uh, pretty robust. So he says that the song's about the exploitation of a congregation by religious leaders. Mm. So they're selling sort of the drama of Mm. the story of Christ. And in the first verse, the preacher explains how religion is sold. And it's sold with a carrot and a stick. So there's the love of God and there's the fear of the flame. And then the, uh, in the chorus, when they sing, we won't be raped, we won't be scarred like that, he speaks for the parishioners who are snapped out of their spell and reject the exploitation of their religious leaders. Damn. Which seems fine. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a, that's a, a solid interpretation. I mean, it's as good as any sort of explanation I could think of for, for the song. Um, one of the yeah. things that I found, uh, one of the most uh, exciting things that I found in any of these songs that we've 
started to to research um kind of ties in with like you know looking up comments on song meetings i i check out youtube comments um a lot of times to be entertained but uh i happened to find one on the official video uh page that mentioned something about um like a serial killer um using this as like a theme song and um yeah so i like looked into it and and kind of googled around and it's something like i guess there was a a a movie about it i don't know if it was a documentary or if it was like a, a fictionalized version of it um but it was something called the snowtown murders that happened in australia and it was about this guy named john bunting and um, so I had taken a quote from a, a horror movie website. So I, I assume it probably is kind of a fictionalized version or at least like, you know, dramatized. And it said, uh, John Bunting often called his killings playing as well as the fact that he and accomplice Robert Wagner ritually played the song Selling the Drama by the band Live as they murdered, tortured, and cut oh people my. into pieces. Um, and I think it kind of tied huh. in with like, his own experience as being like a survivor of abuse and he really related to um to those lines like we won't be raped we won't be scarred like that and um and use that um as like sort of an empowering thing obviously in a kind of a twisted way to you know have it come out like that but uh i was shocked i've never heard anything like that uh, about a you know about the band live yeah um Jerry Harrison of the Talking Heads produced this. <laughs> <laughs> Do you hear anything that would lead you to believe that Jerry Harrison was behind this? No. I should say Jerry Harrison also of the Modern Lovers, yeah, yeah. right? No, I mean uh, I, I don't no. know. I, I, um, I, I no, no, I can't imagine like his his have, having like yeah. a touch that like like there's no Talking Head Heads influence on this this album, is there? Like I don't. No. Uh, David Byrne sang about Christ a lot. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I'm, I'm joking. Thank uh, you. I didn't. <laughs> I think David Byrne, like, uh, I, I didn't fact check this, but I, I feel like I've read this before. Uh, r- like, he is involved with the label Waka Bop, I think it's called, which released yeah. uh, the Geggy Ta huh? album. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Which oh, is, really? Like, makes a little more sense than jerry harrison being involved with this uh i thought that was interesting but um yeah great call well all i want to do is to thank you <laughs> for that piece of information Colin. <laughs> oh boy in 2016 uh ed said in an interview when i first met jerry uh right away i realized he's a guy who's been in bands a long time and understands band dynamics All my songs were like eight minutes long, and back then I didn't understand why they needed to be four or five, but Jerry did. So I guess I'm going to take that as Jerry maybe forced the band to be a little more disciplined about turning these things into pop Which is very weird when Talking Heads, you know, I mean, like, uh, Remain in Light is like six-minute songs. So kind of ironic that uh, he'd be the one to help him pare it down. Yeah, what do you expect from a keyboardist? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was going to mention, you know, we were talking about some of the religious imagery, and one of the things that um, that I found in uh, researching was just discovering or discussing the the cover art of the album, the Throwing Copper mm-hmm. album, and uh-huh. um, uh, according to Wikipedia, it said it's uh, 
a painting by a Scottish artist named Peter Housen titled Sisters of Mercy. Mm. It says it has uh, been suggested that the painting explores the themes of betrayal, revenge, and fear, and that it shows a group of prostitutes urging a man holding a Bible to throw himself off a cliff. Mm. So take that Hmm. as you will. That is very Ed Kowalczyk. On Secret Samadhi, there are a couple of songs that are sort of about there are references to prostitutes and holy people mm. interacting and how that goes. Well, I went back and I listened to Mental Jewelry, the album before this, and it is, mm. the songs are longer and they're freer. And I, I sort of ended up feeling like that was a good move for them. Like that looked good on them. He's got these lyrics that are ripped out of a page of his notebook. I was kind of complaining about Morrissey (laughs) doing this last week, but um, on the singles of throwing copper, he's really tamped that down, but man, there are some songs on this album where he does do these like kind of like these philosophical journal scribblings that he turns into lyrics. And I think it works a little bit better on mental jewelry than it does on this album, but we should hold off and we'll talk about the album in a minute. Let's talk about the yeah. video for now. What do we have to say um, about it's this? It's incredible. Vi- yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Continue, please. Hold on. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that I uh, have ever seen this music video before. Um, I uh, don't remember Ed Kualchuk ever having hair. Um, I yeah, this was the uh, okay, last yeah, thing so before I, he cut it I've off. I've always, you know, pictured him as the shaved head version of himself. Um, the long flowing locks, just incredible. Um, drummer, uh, backwards, new era, fitted, ball cap. Just such a cool look, pre-Fred <laughs> Durst. Uh, and yeah, just the the editing to me, like I, I'm not a technical... Uh, I'm not coming at, uh, at this from a technical angle. I don't know anything about the visual arts really. Um, but, uh, it just, the editing just seemed so confusing and nonsensical and just like, it, clearly it was not a professional behind filming this video, right? Like it, it just was a hodgepodge of insanity. Um, I loved it so much. Such a great video. It does look cheap yeah. and quick. Yep. Yeah. I thought it was like, um, uh i like the song uh kind of nonsense um but not in a bad (laughs) way like i just liked having it on like i watched it i think i watched it two or three times and i have no idea what happened like i don't even think it held my attention i would just put it on and then like like get distracted by something but still be like oh that video's all right you know like Mm. it's uh i i I appreciated (laughs) the energy that it put into my into my house uh just just with the the vibe, I guess. Um, it was cool to see, to see Ed with uh, with the hair. Um, he looked like an extra from the movie PCU. Um, <laughs> I do think I do think that he was missing that the mystique that the uh, the braided rat tail gave him. Um, I think that there was that yeah. was very 
uh, exotic when that, you know, when he made that transition. And, and at this point, he's still just kind of like, I don't know, he looks like a college, uh, I don't know, philosophy student or something like that. <laughs> My one note was Ed looking a little hacky sacky. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the rest of the band just looking like, yeah. Bros. Some bros. 90s two, bros. <laughs> uh, and appropriately enough, two of them were named Chad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there are two I Chads in live. about that detail. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, amazing. Um, all right. Did you revisit the album Throwing Copper? Hell yeah. Yes. Yeah, I did too. Thoughts? It's pretty good. Yeah, uh, I was, it was better than I expected. Same, same. Yeah, there, uh, I, I would say that I liked like half of the songs. Half of the songs were like pretty good. Um, mostly the singles. That sounds about right. Mostly the singles, but uh, uh, opener, I liked the opener. Um, Iris was nice. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I was very pleasantly surprised. Yeah, I um I liked um the flow of it. I I expected there to be some terrible songs, and there weren't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, for for better or worse, I disagree. Oh, okay. Well, well um, go ahead. Yes. No, that I, was I, one of the ones that I liked. Oh, I I just liked <laughs> Shit Town, but I but I don't think that it was like terrible. Yeah, no, that's one of the ones that come to mind. Is like that was a good uh, album song that I was okay with. Sorry. Um, the, the singles are all cool yeah. at this point in my life. Like I feel good uh-huh. about them. Definitely. Um, I don't hate them. White discussion. I expected to like more than selling the drama, but, um, I did not. I do think it is notable that white discussion, uh, rhymes politically correct with quite erect. uh just a horrible uh couplet there um but i think so like one of the best songs and a great surprise was uh horse horse was amazing i have the same note what a great song yeah yeah i had no idea i don't think i'd ever heard it before this you know so i could i i wish i had done a little bit more research on this i'm pretty sure before the age of Spotify, that was a hidden track. That that title did mm. not appear in the liner oh, notes. Oh wow! Yeah, it was better than almost everything I'm on the album. Ninety nine percent positive, but yeah, I um, everything about it. I mean, it, it his voice sounds great. Uh, the lyrics have just the right. They're so um, unpretentious. Yeah. She won't discipline the children, and now they're running wild on the beach, and I don't care. Like, oh, that's such a great sentiment. It's a good Corona line. Oh, shit. <laughs> that's right. I don't have any notes on the, uh, that song, so it must not have stuck out to yeah. me. Sorry, guys. Uh, I feel I had really mixed emotions about it. I, uh, there's sort of the tightly constructed singles that I think go well, and then there's the super loose things like white discussion where it's just Ed's little diatribe over some funky instrumentation. And then there are these awful songs where they try to bridge the gap and it just does not work. There's a song called top that comes on. I want to say right before all over. I can never remember if it's called all over me or all over you. You. Uh, you. Yeah. All over you. Um, 
where they want to have the pop chorus and these like super verbose verses and it does not work. And waitress is, I just think that is awful. I think you're listening too hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're probably right. right. I, I think you you probably paid closer attention than I did where I just kind of put it on passively and, and just kind of casually enjoyed the album. But uh, if I was actually like dissecting it, I, I'm sure that there's, mm-hmm. there's enough to, to uh to to have issue with uh can i tell you my favorite song title yes <laughs> it is pillar of davidson <laughs> of course it is how could yeah. it not be it's what is good. that I, exactly exactly i i don't I, know i googled it okay and uh uh-huh. like it's a, a song by the band live <laughs> <laughs> like i mean i only scrolled through like maybe two pages of uh, Google results. My favorite thing about that song is he's got at the end they do this round where they go the sh- the shepherd won't leave me alone and they get the other verses in and then this voice comes in to do the pillar of Davidson part and I'm about to do the thing where you yeah. do, you loosen your lips and you do the finger where it goes pillar of Davidson oh that's rich wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, we won't have another opportunity to talk about some of the other singles on this album. We won't have the opportunity to talk about White Discussion, which surprisingly went to number 15 on the Modern Rock chart, was released as a single. I had no idea. Went to number 15. I had no idea it was a single. I don't remember ever hearing it on it the radio. It was like a six-minute song, right? Something yeah. like that. Hmm. Um, All Over You peaked at number four. We won't be talking about it. Pretty good. Yeah. Good song. Definitely. I, I, that was maybe, I, I think as a kid all alone, I, I'm sorry, I alone, uh, mm-hmm. was maybe my favorite. And then I think, um, all over you was number two for me. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if I could tell the difference between the two. It's been it's been really? twenty five years, and I don't know the difference between "I Alone" and "All Over You." They're that, the same song to me. That that's totally fair. They're they're pretty pretty similar. Oh, see, I I am not with you there. "I Alone" peaked at number six. I think "I Alone" is the heart and soul of this album. Oh. That's where that's the spot where they nailed I, it. I did not like it as much. Uh, yeah. Okay. It, it did not age well for me. I love that bridge where he goes, "Oh no, took oh, it back yeah. too yeah. far." Um. Sound like uh, that part sounds like STP to me. So to okay. Violence. I think STP sounds like live. Well, cool. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to resolve this later. <laughs> yeah. Um, I did some research on the band and discovered that they actually have been around a lot longer than I thought mm. initially. They've got some really old albums. Way back in 1980, they had an album called Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> In 1980? <laughs> yeah, and it was Holy great. Cow. I, I actually, I have that record on, I have that, uh, that LP. Fleetwood yeah. Mac by Life. They also, they had the, a really great album called Bob Marley and the Wailers. <laughs> oh, <thank you. laughs> oh, I started laughing in the middle of that one. Good, good bit, good bit.
time to rate this yeah. guy. Yeah. I'm going to go with 3.5 pillars of p- pillars of wow. Davidson. So I um yeah, I came into this trying to uh to, just thinking about live and and like not really caring about them or the song. I thought this was just kind of a generic song until I started to listen to the to it to research for this album. And we spent a lot of time thinking, you know, looking into the songs and stuff like that. And the more I listened to it, the more I was like, this song is amazing. Like, I love this song. It's great. Um, and I didn't, I, I never felt that way before, you know, the last few weeks. Um, man, I, I'm going to give it five out of five braided rat tails. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Wow. Uh, uh, thank you for that, Trav. I, I really didn't want to start uh, start our podcast off being the guy who rates everything higher than everybody yeah. else. Um, but yeah, uh, 4.25 out of 5 uh, towns of shit. Um, <laughs> 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 it, this, this, song, this song rips. Like, I just love it. Um, I liked it as a child. I love it right now um i just was floored by uh how legitimately uh good it is like just every part every part first chorus bridge everything is great um best uh lakini's juice previously my favorite live song i think uh i think this is it i think this this took the lead good call all right. My, I should have explained. I think that there are great parts of this song. I, I, at this point in my life, I'm annoyed that whatever he's philosophizing about, I don't think the metaphor of him being raped is, I just don't, it doesn't, it's not working for me. Fair. Totally um, fair. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe problematic. Um, I, I don't know if it's problematic. It's, it just it doesn't feel totally earned. Nirvana wannabe? Yes. Uh, Hard yes. I mean, I think there's like the whole dynamic thing. Well, I don't know. Because they, they weren't, weren't really doing like the loud, quiet, loud thing. Um, oh, they do. I, I think, think they, they do. do. I think like All Over You or like I Alone are more so um nirvana wannabe songs than selling the drama but uh i i think you can throw it all in there i'll i'll give it a soft yes uh okay it's not it's not full-on nirvana wannabe but uh Mm -hmm. uh you know because i i I do hear rem i i think i hear rem more for sure in this song uh than nirvana i think there are other songs like um Excuse me. Uh, like perhaps I alone uh, is more of a Nirvana wannabe. Yeah, listening to their first album and the transition to this album, they weren't remotely grungy on the first album, and now they've kind of resorted mm-hmm. to that. So I do think that probably market trends had some impact on the way that this album ended yeah. up sounding. I think that's that's all I've got. You guys got anything else? No, this song's great. Yeah. Uh, listen to, um, listen to the song Selling the Drama by Live. 
(laughs) (laughs) Couldn't have said it better myself. All right. All right, let's look elsewhere on the charts. This is something that we're going to do each week. We'll take a look at the mainstream rock chart and the uh, Hot 100 pop chart and see what else is going on in Radio Land. So this week, uh, we're in the midst of a really, really long run for Shine by Collective Soul at the top of the mainstream rock charts. Surprisingly, we're never going to have an episode about Collective Soul. Yeah, which is insane. I mean, mm. like, Collective Soul belongs on the modern rock chart. <laughs> yeah. It's curious. Yeah. It definitely reveals how vague the distinction is between the modern rock chart and the mainstream rock chart. No, nothing from the self-titled album. Nothing. Nothing wow. will peak. Nothing will top the modern rock chart. A lot of it will top the mainstream rock chart. Collective Soul has a lot of number ones oh. on the mainstream rock chart, but not As modern rock. Hmm. I remember, I remember when, when, the, when the self-titled album came out and um, uh, the radio was playing like uh, December all the time, especially. Oh, like, yeah. That was very prominent. Jam. I remember being shocked when Shine would come on that it was the same band. Because I was young enough, yeah. Like, oh, definitely. you know, like I remember that song, and I can't believe it's the same, the same deal. So, Shine is a classic rock feeling song. Yeah, absolutely. Borderline, uh, butt rock. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sure. uh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yep. Collective Soul, another vaguely spiritual band, but much more straightforwardly Christian. I think. Really? I think uh, so, yeah. I just re- They're wholesome, wholesome Georgia boys. Yeah. I guess I always think of them as uh as being the band from like the world I know, uh where they're yeah. where they're walking a foreign height and stopping at the edge to see the world below. And uh reflecting. Being one of those those mm-hmm. uh pondering bands. Yeah. Um, which is just kind of kind of funny. Well, on the top of the pop chart is this is going to be a massive, massive run for all for one. The song I Swear is on the top of the chart. So when you hear I Swear, it comes in with like the acapella vocals. And I think my my instinct is always like, oh, this song again. And then it gets rolling a little bit. And I'm like, oh, actually, this is all right. You know, when you get into it a little bit. Not a bad song. Not bad. Let's look elsewhere on the uh, modern rock chart. We have some future winners coming up. Counting Crows making an appearance with Round Here. Uh, Pavement is on the chart with Cut Your Hair. Kind of strange to think that that was on the radio, but of course that was a minor MTV hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, where on the chart was um, that? This week it's at number 12. Wow, that high? Yep. Wow. Miss World by Hole, always good. Mm. Uh, Closer by Nine Inch Nails is making its way mm. up. Some Trav, a, a song I don't recognize by Violent Femmes, Breaking Up. Yeah, I saw that as well, and I don't recognize it either. Um, I guess I never really got to that, uh, that album. Mm-hmm. I, the- um, we're going to see surprisingly little Smashing Pumpkins on this podcast, but Disarm is at number 20 this week. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's, you know, a year after, a year probably plus after Siamese Dream came out. Siamese Dream. Yeah. Still surprising that we're not going to see more of Melancholy. Yeah. 
I agree. Maybe maybe mainstream. I mean, it seems like maybe. there's probably a little bit of crossover there too. Uh, you can email us about upcoming songs at thoughtsonpod at gmail.com. Ideally, email us a short voice memo about a song that's coming up further down the line, and you'll know what's coming down the line if you listen to our playlist on Spotify or Apple Music. Well, next week, it's not just a myth. We will be talking about Longview by Green Day. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs>